just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Want to thank everybody for joining us. Hope you're having a great day. We have one of those shows where we bring Ed into the mix. And it's always one of my favorite shows because I have somebody to bounce things off of. And it's just not me droning on. Those will still be coming. You will still get the droning podcast. But in this one, we've got Ed joining us. And how are things going down in Tennessee, Ed? Well, uh, uh, they're going weird enough that it keeps me on my toes. I mean, the the Tennessee governor and the uh, Republican supermajority in the legislature uh, embarrass me every day. And uh, uh, they reach bottom and then they grab a shovel and keep on digging. So uh, that's where I am down in Tennessee. And and today, most of my attention is on the NRA convention taking place. All right. Yeah, that's that's a that's a weird situation. I mean, they couldn't have planned it any worse. And the problem is, is I don't know if the people in the NRA or the people attending the NRA uh, get that it's bad timing to have their little soiree down in Texas after 19 children and, and two or three adults were murdered senselessly by a, by a military-style weapon carried by an 18-year-old kid that had every right to have any gun he wanted and carry it wherever he wanted. And then you throw in that the police department and the law enforcement in the area fucked up immensely, but they still think it's a good idea to have this little event. Yeah, and, you know, I will say that it looks like uh, some people uh, got that it wasn't the best idea. We had a couple of their speakers pull out Republican uh, um, congressmen, uh, senators, and uh, and uh, then we had a couple of entertainers, uh, Don McLean, who Don McLean? surprised, well, which surprised me that he would even be there. But you know, lots of people, uh, you know, uh, still uh, belong to the NRA who are you know, sportsmen and so forth, I guess, um, uh, based on their more, even their most recent history, I would have thought everybody would have headed for the wings, but no, that's not the case. The other one is uh, Lee, what's his name? God bless the USA. Lee Greenwood. Greenwater. Lee Greenwood. Right. And uh, he he just backed out. And if Lee Greenwood backs out, <laughs> you've lost somebody. I'll tell you because you know he's like this. Uh, that that particular song is pretty much the anthem of uh, right wing America. You got to admit that, right? Absolutely. It didn't start out that way. It was a very no. thoughtful song, but then the uh, uh, the Republicans confiscated it from the rest of us, and now every time we hear it, we go, "Oh fuck." Well, you know, this is this is what tells me, though, uh, that we're in the right. Liberals have all the good music. Yeah, uh, that's true. You know, I mean, conservatives got squat. You know, who have they got? They got Kid Rock and they got uh, the Motor City Madman. You know, these marginally talented musical fucks 
that only the most deranged people listen to. And, 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 and then they've got their, you know, white supremacist thrash metal bands and all that kind of crap, but they got no good music. Oh, they and, got uh, no fucking music. Lee Greenwood has one song. He has one hit. Well, yeah. so does Don McLean. <laughs> well, Don McLean has a couple, three, but, but then yeah. Larry Gatlin backed out too. But, yeah. but, but but what what my problem with Larry Gatlin is, and he's a good singer. When I spent some time on country radio, I played a lot of his songs, and he was kind so of a crossover I. guy. Uh, but he said he pulled out, and he said uh, it would be classy if they just didn't do it. Um, he said that uh, I still support the NRA and the Second Amendment, but uh, I just don't feel like it's the right time to go party. Well, great. Good for you. <laughs> Well, that, and, you know, and that's, you know, kind of cynical, but it's obviously the truth. Now, just a little of my background. I had a BB gun when I was nine. I had a single shot 22 rifle when I was 14. I had a shotgun at 16. I don't own a weapon now of any kind. And the reason I don't is I think they're dangerous to have around because I see too many people getting hurt just from having a firearm present. And uh, I don't need one. I've got a baseball bat and I know how to avoid trouble. So I uh, uh, having a gun in my car or on my person would just increase the possibility that I would get into something that would cause me a lot of trouble down the line. Uh, I can run. I can use my cane. There's lots of things I can do in, in close quarters that I don't feel like I need a gun. At the same time, I don't demonize them. My whole family, pretty much besides me, are hunters, and uh, they have uh, weapons, they say, for home protection and so forth. And, and that's okay, because none of them are going to go out and shoot up a school uh, or, or use the firearm in any other eagle, illegal manner. But unfortunately, there are too many people that I can't say that about. Now, the, the NRA, when I was a kid, was a great organization. It was yeah. dedicated to sportsmen. It was dedicated to gun safety. They used to come to my high school and conduct gun safety courses for kids so they wouldn't blow their nuts off when they were trying to get over a fence and that sort of thing. It was a great organization. Then along comes uh, LaPierre. And he changes it into this grotesque lobbying organization that's more about power than it is even about the guns themselves. And that's where the problem began, and that's where it remains. I have to confess, I was a member of the NRA. I was only 13 at the time. But you I got bastard. The, I got the patch <laughs> and everything. You know, my dad was a hunter, so he put me into this NRA training. And we'd go to this legion and we'd get all this teaching. And then we'd go to a gun range and shoot these 22s. And I got my badge and I was proud that I passed this safety course. And that was essential uh, for my dad anyway, for us to go hunting. And you're right. At that point, it was a decent organization. They were trying to make the sport of using guns safer. But as always is the case, politics and money fucking perverts and pollutes any organization it touches. And that's what NRA has become. Instead of training kids to handle guns properly, because I'm not against guns at all. I've had them too. I don't now, because like you, I, I, I don't need them. There isn't anything that uh, I need to have a gun for. But it was a good organization. Let, 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 let me bounce this off you. You know, as I've gotten older, I'm not nearly as tough as I used to be. 
And I've never really been in a situation where I felt like I had to fight or was my life was at risk. I mean, the first good thing to do is don't go certain areas where you might be at risk. And I don't. Exactly. Exactly. But, but there was one point in my life when I, I, I don't know, I guess I wasn't feeling well. I was feeling kind of weak. And I thought, you know, I should have something just in case. And somebody showed me one of these telescoping batons. Uh-huh. And those can be pretty lethal if used improperly, and they can be very effective in saving your life. Not against a gun, of course, but, you know, if some thug or tough guy comes up to you. But here's the problem. You carry one of those things, it's fucking illegal. Texas, yeah. you can carry an AR-15, but God forbid you have one of those telescoping batons. Exactly. Makes no fucking sense. No, well, no gun laws make sense the way they're done here in the U.S. right now and uh, the way they are selectively enforced. And uh, and um, it's a hodgepodge and it needs federal authority and it needs uh, uh, oversight and it needs everybody to come together and hash this out in good faith and try to do something. But I'll go further about the NRA. I don't think it has really anything to do with guns. I think what LaPierre did was say, oh, look at this big pile of money here. Right. Look at this big pile of money, all these dues. And really, there's nothing we're doing with it. So let's let's pay off some politicians and move everything to the right. Let's give Ted Cruz a couple million dollars and uh, see if we can't get him to enact some legislation that the guys I really worked for, the oligarchs, would like to have put in place. And let's spread a little of this money over here and a little of this money over here. That's what it's all about. It's about serving the oligarchs. And it really has very little to do with the guns, except that, that they can gin up all this outrage by talking about banning them, which is nobody really seriously is talking about doing. What um, we want to do is manage, manage them. And uh, and we can do that if we do that in good faith. We can we can stop school shootings, and we can talk about you know the things that we can do that would actually uh, have some impact on that. But uh, they're not going to be talking about anything of substance at the NRA convention. They're going to be uh, yelling Yahoo! Well, let's go get the libs and that kind of thing. That you watch. That's what they'll be because they're a real big speaker this time. Is none other, none other than the orange menace himself, Trump. Well, exactly. And you mentioned oligarchs, and I know you're talking about American oligarchs, but right. in real, real terms, what we found out, Russian oligarchs are behind this too because they took in a lot of Russian money during the Trump administration, just like Donald oh, yeah. Trump did. It, they, I don't know how they fed it to him, but the whole intent with Russia is to create discord and divisiveness in the country, and they knew this particular topic would, so that they fed all this money into the NRA. Then the NRA got into trouble. They had to file bankruptcy. I'm surprised they're still alive, but they are. And apparently they found some other sugar daddy or some other way to generate income, or maybe they're still getting money from Russia. But these people, if they're taking money from Russia, they are not friends of America. Exactly. And uh, the, the whole bankruptcy thing was just a sham anyway, because they haven't had to pay out a penny. I right. mean, uh, there's some lawsuits in the works that have gone nowhere and probably will go nowhere. So they haven't lost a dime. We know for a fact that there was this young Russian woman 
who was acting as an intermediary between the NRA and various uh, politicians. We know her name. I can't come up with it right now. It was Russian. uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely Russian, and she was definitely a Russian agent and so forth. And that's what the the NRA was doing, was bringing in this money from Russia and then spreading it out to the politicians to do the things that Putin wanted done. They're a traitorous organization. LaPierre should be in front of a firing squad. And wouldn't that be ironic? That would be ironic. Uh, you know, and this woman, apparently she was romantically tied to some other official. I can't remember who it was, but he was pretty much being duped because yes. he was a big, big, chubby, ugly white guy. And, and she was a little cuter. She wasn't all that great, but but she she attached him herself to him and and found her way to weasel into governmental events, NRA events, all that kind of shit. And is she, I don't know, is she in jail? Was she in jail at some point? She was at least deported. Well, I believe so. And, uh, you know, I'll Google this once we're done and see what I can come up with. I'm sure it's readily available and anybody out there can do the same. Because when Mike and I are talking here on the Rational Boomer, this is like a, a conversation at the bar or something. You know, we don't have... Uh, um, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily have ahead of time everything we're going to talk about in order to nail down those details. But quite frankly, you could do that yourself. Just Google Russian interference, NRA, and uh, cute chick. <laughs> yeah, cute chick. Well, well, you know, that, 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 that's the whole point in my mind of podcasts. Too many people do podcasts and they might have radio backgrounds and they want to turn it into a radio show. That's not what it is. This is a more casual, this is a more intimate conversation. And uh, if it sounds like we just set up here, have a couple of ideas to talk about and we just talk, well, that's exactly what we fucking do. And that's exactly what I want to do on the show because there's too much bullshit fed to you. It's, it's, it's good to hear some insights from not only Ed or myself or some of the listeners that come on what real people are talking about and what real concerns are and maybe some real resolutions to those problems. Exactly. Let's talk about the shooting down in Texas. Now, we had this press conference that had the governor and had Senator Ted Cruz and a bunch of other folks there. And the the law enforcement guys came out and lied through their teeth. Right. Uh, they gave out so much misinformation. I, I have to question, you know, why are you even putting this stuff out there? Because we know it's going to turn up false later on. And sure enough, it has been. I, I know they're trying to cover their ass because they stood there for almost an hour and did nothing uh, except beat up a couple of parents who were trying to do something. And finally, one lady just said, fuck you, and ran in and got her kids out. Now, right. uh, if she could do that, they could have been in there. And um, the kids that were shot, we don't know how many died while they were waiting that might have survived. But uh, then we have Beto O'Rourke shows up and he calls him. And, and I mean, all over the Internet, oh, how shameful this is in this time of mourning that he brought politics into it. Well, my response to that is screw you. Because that's what happens every time. Now is not the time. Thoughts and prayers. Right. We have to come together and turn it over to God. Screw you. Not this time. We're done with that. We're done with that. It is time for politics. It is time to do something. And what do we do? We go to Washington. Uh, the House has already passed some sensible gun control 
Senate bogs down on it, and the Republicans, of course, squash it. Now, well, I'm, I'm told that there's a continuing dialogue among a group of senators. We'll see if anything comes of that. But that was their response. Do nothing. Make sure we do nothing. Well, it's more, even more insidious than that, though. You know, I talked about uh, one of the listeners that we did a, that I did a show with. Um, Mitch McConnell and the Republicans say, well, maybe we can work something out. Maybe something, maybe something can, can, could be cobbled out to actually address this situation. Uh, but as one commentator on television who had some experience in politics pointed out, he's doing that as fucking Congress is in the middle of a 10-day vacation. And then right. after that 10-day vacation, come next month, there's the summer recess. So they're not intending to do anything. They're just running the clock, as they always do, waiting for the attention and the fervor to die down on this incident or have some other incident in some other area come up so we can just forget about it and do nothing. No matter what anybody thinks, no matter what the Republicans say, as long as the Republicans have anything to say about it, nothing will be done. The only thing that will change this is if we take complete power away from the Republicans in the midterms. That is going to be the answer, and that is going to be the only time we get some fucking resolution on the gun problem. You're absolutely right. And now we'll see if the Democrats can stay focused, because I think this is a definitely a, a winning issue here that would uh, give them the numbers where they can actually do something if they are committed to doing it. Now, right. this is the other this is the other side of it. How many of how many of the Democrats are actually committed to doing something? A lot of them come from states where people Absolutely. really love their guns. So they, so they're vulnerable on this and they know that. And they're sometimes they're going, let's let's keep this. Let's, let's put a lid on this a little bit. I got to get reelected. Well, fuck you. You don't have to get reelected if you're just getting through to keep your job. I don't want you. I don't care how liberal you are. I don't care how right you are on the issues. If all you're interested in is getting elected and running your mouth about things and decrying what's going on and not getting anything done, we don't need you. We need you to be a Beto O'Rourke. We need you to get in their faces like the 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 Sky News reporter did to Ted Cruz. Explain right. to me why this doesn't happen anywhere else, Mr. Cruz. You saw him fold and, and start. Uh, Run away. Uh, he ran away. Yeah. He ran away and tried to say, well, you have a political agenda. Don't pick on me. I'm gone. How could you he have a, a sleaze bag? How could he have a political <laughs> agenda? He's not even from this fucking country. Well, of course not. I mean, he had nothing else to say. I mean, it was like when Beto was there, all he could say was, sir, you're out of line, sir, you're out of line. No, you're out of line to take it back into uh, uh, the movies. You're out of line. You're out of line. That's what should have been the response. But uh, and a good punch to the face. I, I, that really accomplishes a lot sometimes. And I can't think of a face that deserves it more than Ted Cruz's. Well, maybe Greg Abbott and maybe Mitch well, McConnell there. and maybe Lauren Boebert and maybe, you know, but, but, but the thing is <clears throat> in a TikTok and in a podcast previously, I was saying what Beto O'Rourke did 
There, there are some Democrats. I, I've heard a couple of people say, well, that's a bad look for the Democrats. That's a bad look for Beto O'Rourke. And I say, that's fucking bullshit. It's about time Democrats had some fire, passion, and fight in them. This is what the Republicans have been doing to the Democrats for years. They turn the other cheek. They say, we'll be bigger than this. You're fighting against a bully. And sometimes the only thing they fucking understand is getting smacked in the snout. And we've got the Republicans on the run. There's all kinds of bad shit working against them toward the midterms. This is where we need to ramp it up, get in their face, drown them out, control the narrative. Beto O'Rourke did exactly what the Democrats should be doing, and hopefully they take fucking note of that. I, mean, I, I certainly hope so. And you're right. I mean, uh, I love Michelle Obama, and I, I, uh, I respect her, and I'd love to see her on the Supreme Court one day. But uh, she said, when they go low, we go high. No, no. When they go low, we step on them and we crush them like a bug. That's what we should do. And, and uh, we make no. sure they stay down for good. Exactly. And yeah. it's and, you know, I'm not advocating hurting anybody in real life. I would not punch Mitch McConnell. I would not. I would punch. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. But uh, uh, Ted Cruz or anyone else, I'm not that kind of guy, but I want them to lose their livelihood. I want them in jail, most of them. Yeah. And uh, because they certainly deserve it. Mitch McConnell takes Russian money. Mitch McConnell takes Chinese money. We know that. So does Ted Cruz. So does Marco Rubio. We know that. We should make sure that they suffer for it. They should all be wearing orange jumpsuits for the rest of their lives because they're traitors to the country. And that's what they are. And there's no other way to look at it. You're right about Michelle Obama. She's, you know, she's obviously a very bright woman. I have a lot of respect for. And I understand what she's saying. When they go low, we go high. I get that. But in real life, that doesn't always work. If you're dealing with a bully, sometimes you have to get into the fucking mud with them and, 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 and defeat them because that's the only thing they understand. When you go high, turn the other cheek in their minds, that's a weakness and they try to exploit. It's one thing if we want to think decently and sincerely. But if the other party refuses to do that, then you have to take further action. And that means punching them in the snout or shouting them down or whatever the fuck you have to do. Well, I, I had put something on Twitter. I don't re- remember what it was, but it, it had something to do with the Republicans. And this guy who I checked out his uh, his Twitter page, and he seemed to be fairly reasonable and pretty liberal. And he came back at me saying, look, you're advocating for one-party government. And that's just as bad if it's the Democrats or if it's the Republicans. And I, I had to come back to him and say, no, it's not. It's not the same. What we have right now is minority rule. Because of these esoteric rules the Senate has, and with uh, Mitch McConnell in the position he's in and uh, uh, when he's in power, and uh, so many, uh, the filibuster and, and this, these sorts of things, we have minority rule. It's not even the majority of the Republican Party. It's a small group of Republicans that are able to do pretty much what they want by cheating on the rules or, or manipulating the rules or um, using the better than the Democrats do or whatever. And that has to change. We need a majority that we can get rid of the filibuster. That's the first thing. And then we need to have the balls to call out our own. 
we need to call out Joe Manchin and Sinema and say, you don't speak for us anymore. You have no committee assignments. You go sit over there. We don't need you. You can get reelected. You can get reelected, but we don't need you. We have a majority that excludes you. Now go away. We don't talk to you. We don't interact with you. We shun you. And that's the way it needs to be. Well, that, that, that's why it goes back to the midterms. Cause you know, people say we got to get rid of Joe Manchin. That doesn't do any good. Cause you'll get a fucking crazy Republican in there. I mean, as bad as Joe Manchin is, he's better than the alternative. So well, occasionally he will vote with the Democrats on something close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he will. And, and, and he also gives us, uh, the majority in the Senate too, by way right. of him being that a Democrat. Too. That helps too. But what we really need to do is, is not get rid of him, is make him inconsequential, as you exactly. said. And that means getting a bigger majority in the Senate. We get a couple, three more Democratic senators in the Senate, then Joe Manchin has no more power. And that's what we should be, that's what we should be shooting for. Uh, you know, I, I've, got, I've got a candidate. We don't do this, but I, I've got a candidate for the worst fucking quote of the day. All right, lay it on me. I was watching on TikTok and somebody, uh, another creator that I have a lot of respect for, that uh, played this this, uh, recording. And it was on Laura Ingram's show on Fox News. The (laughs) The gentleman speaking was Andrew Pollack. Now, he is the Smyrna Chief Public Safety Officer. He's That's Smyrna, Georgia, right? Yeah, I guess so. There's yeah. a one in Florida, too, and uh, there's one in South Carolina. They're all over the place. But um, the, the uh, um, Smyrna Chief Public Safety Officer, this is the top dude in that area. He is the main guy, and this is what he said on Laura Ingram's show. He said, well, it's the parents. It's your responsibility where you send your kids to school, as if, one school is more susceptible to a shooting than another. I mean, we don't even know if this kid wanted to go to that school. He was being chased. He crashed his car. He ran into a school that happened to be the closest, and then he started killing kids. But this guy has the audacity to try to blame the parents for a fucking shooting because maybe they picked the wrong school. That's fucking absolutely ridiculous, and this guy should be canceled if there is such a thing as any cancel culture he should be fucking gone well and uh he is basically uh he kind of outed a bunch of people there by saying that and they're probably really mad at him for doing that because that is the republican position he is uh, some schools are better than others and those would be religious schools and charter schools started by hedge funds. Those right. are the good schools. And the chances of them being shot up, quite frankly, are probably less than a public school. Because for number one, uh, the, the people who would, uh, who would shoot up a school are less likely. They're more likely to agree with a religious school or a, a, a right-wing charter school. But the other thing, of course, is that the, the public schools have fewer resources to deal with that sort of thing. They tend to be bigger. They tend to serve more students. They tend to have, uh, you know, the, I hear these guys talking about, well, we'll just have one entrance and we'll guard it. And, you know, that's insane. You know, what happens with the first fire? Right. You know, and there will be one. Yeah. And, uh, and and so many other. This is just 
insane and you know that they're just throwing stuff out there so they have something to say and they will never ever appropriate the money to a uh, redesign schools or pay armed guards it, it's just not going to happen right you know and and schools don't have the money to to go out and do that arming teachers is even stupider uh, because number one, teachers are going, fuck that. I don't want to be an armed guard. Besides, I thought you didn't even trust me with the curriculum. You're going to trust me with a gun? Yeah. That doesn't gonna, parse, you know? I'm going to bring a gun to school and I'm going to point it at the heads of the kids and said, we're going to fucking learn CRT right goddamn now. Exactly. You know, yeah, I, they they support CRT. Uh, they they they're against CRT, but the teachers should all know CPR to revive their students after they're shot. I guess you know that's insanity. I mentioned this in a previous podcast, and there's one thing that Republicans are all saying now is how to deal with these school shootings, and they all say the same thing. And they say we've got to harden our schools. And what that basically means is lock them down, limit the doors like Ted Cruz, that stupid fuck said, and have armed guards there and and arm the teachers. So basically what they're suggesting is sending our kids to something similar to a prison to protect them from whatever might come. And, and, and I, I listened to that. I go, that's absolutely ridiculous. That's like trying to protect people from muggers by wrapping them in bulletproof bubble wrap. They can't be hit. They can't be shot. But let those fucking muggers run rogue, go wild. Let them do anything. The only answer to this is to have enough protection around us so we don't have to uh, uh, be attacked by these fucking muggers. That's a ridiculous fucking fucking, uh, concept. Uh, What we need to do is address, address the perpetrators and the situations around the perpetrators. We need to stop them so people can live their lives without having to live in fear and under all this fucking protection. It, it, absolutely. Two points. First one, it's the fucking guns. Ban yeah. assault weapons. The chances of somebody doing a mass shooting with a handgun much less than they are with a semi-automatic weapon. And whether it's a pistol or a rifle, ban semi-automatic weapons. Boom. That's half the problem right there. The other part of what you were talking about with the armed guards having police and so forth in the schools, it's been done. I mean, look, how how long has it been since the first school shooting? Years and years and years, right? Okay. Well, some yeah. places some places have gone ahead and done that. They've put act, actually uh, offices with officers in the schools. You know what happens? There's no shootings, but they turn their attention to the students. And what would get a kid paddled in my day or put in a timeout now, the kid winds up in handcuffs and off to jail. There's more expulsions. There's more overreactions. There's more violent confrontations with students because the police are there. And let's face it, police have two modes. Donut shop and hitting you in the head or shooting you. Those are the two modes that a lot of them seem to have because the FBI said this not long ago. The biggest threat to America is white supremacy inside police groups. Right, right. Well, and a perfect example of that is this shooting. You know, you've got an active shooter in the in the school. You've got co- police lounging around outside you've got parents who have kids in the school with an actor active shooter and they're frantic and what's their response 
to shut these parents down, to keep them out, to handcuff them. One guy had a taser out. It, you know, it's it, it's a fucking bizarro world. You've got a criminal in the, in the building, and you're out there fighting with the parents of the fucking victims. Where in any possible parallel universe does that fucking make sense? Well, but, you know, part of the problem is, you know, it was so obvious that uh, this was this is a you know a small city, and uh, I don't know if they practice for this sort of thing or not, but nobody knew the fuck what they were doing. Well, we oh. got to wait for the SWAT team. They're coming. SWAT team will be here. Well, what about you know? I mean, it, this is established procedure now that uh, after the other school shootings, I thought everybody was in agreement that once you've got a couple of cops there, they go in. Yeah, I thought that was the rule. You go toward the shooter. Exactly. Well, they didn't do it. The other thing that really pissed me off, and and I'm sure it did the parents and the community as well, they have this conference afterward, this news conference, where where basically they're trying to cover their ass. And uh, but there are no Spanish speaking people on that podium. I mean, I assume Ted Cruz can speak Spanish. I don't know that for a fact, but nobody did. Nobody tried to comfort or to inform or anything else. People that primarily speak and communicate in Spanish. They didn't do it. This was the white guys talking down to the people that just got hurt. That was what we saw. I don't know if Ted Cruz can speak Spanish. He is from Canada. He was born in Canada originally. But he and why abs- is he, why can he be president? He can't. Well, you know? I, I guess he can because his parents were here and dad was stationed wherever. But Ted Cruz is obviously fluent in lies and bullshit. Yes. He certainly has got that covered. Uh, but um, the, these the whole thing was handled ridiculously and 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 who was the who was the law enforcement group that saved the day that finished this stop this it wasn't the police department it wasn't the swat team it was a fucking border patrol who was probably the last ones to respond to this fucking thing they were that's absolutely the fact i, I would point out too that after Beto O'Rourke was thrown out of the meeting, he had a, his own little impromptu news conference in the uh, um, outside, which in MSNBC, by the way, cut away to because they knew there was nothing going to happen inside. Right. And uh, he, he spoke in Spanish and in English throughout the thing. There's right. your governor, Texas. There's your governor. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. 
This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. So in Texas, you can be 18 years old, buy pretty much any gun you want, carry it wherever you want, have no license, have no training, have nothing to protect anybody from this clown, any fucking nutcase having a gun. But uh, I think it's important to note, and you, you can talk further about it, that it's not just Texas that's doing this shit. No, Tennessee, in their last uh, legislative session, which I remarked earlier, embarrasses me on a daily basis, um, passed uh, a bill and the governor signed it, uh, allowing 18-year-olds to purchase guns and to carry them without a permit. As a matter of fact, nobody needs a permit to carry a gun in Tennessee now. Uh, the bill was signed at the Beretta factory in Tennessee right. by the governor. Now, uh, Ron DeSantis uh, and the uh, Florida legislature has exactly the same bill. Right now, they're considering, and they will pass it, and that's probably why you haven't heard a darn peep from Ron DeSantis, who usually chooses to run his mouth like a brook. Uh, But no, he's got nothing to say about gun control while he's trying to get this bill passed. Absolutely. And I I don't understand what is accomplished by having kids as young as 18 years old and – no limitations on guns or where you carry them or, or what you do. I mean, w- w- when you make that kind of law and something like um, what happened in Texas happens, how is anybody fucking surprised? I mean, you have to, be, you know, when you're driving a car, which is a dangerous weapon could be, uh, you have to go through all kinds of training, all kinds of licensing, all kinds of certification, and you have to be fucking insured. Um, it's it, it it makes no sense. It, it's just, to me for Republicans doing this with this gun situation and making it free for everybody to have guns is just a way they are trying to own the libs or put it in their face. It's just more of a revenge thing than an actual sensible fucking thing to do. Oh, absolutely. And that's exactly what it is, Mike. You just put it right. The owning the libs is the important part of it. And that they are going for the bottom of their base. Again, these people who uh, feel so threatened by everything that they cling to their guns and their religion. And uh, they uh, the rest of the world is scary to them. So anything that promotes uh, what they consider safety, they will go for. And it's cynical. It is very cynical on the politicians that that uh, choose to do this because they know that it's going to accomplish exactly the opposite of what they claim it will. Oh, if you have a lot of guns, everybody will be safe. We know that's not true. Exactly the opposite is true. As a matter of fact, the more guns you have, the more chance you have for violence. Think about it. 
We make kids ride in special seats. We don't put their pictures on the Internet now because we're afraid a pedophiles will come and get them. We put child-proof caps on all the medications, and we've got locks we put on the cabinets and so forth. But the most likely way your child will die now used to be auto accidents. Now it's a gun. That's the truth, and we, we ignore it. We, 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 we try to make everything so safe. Wear your helmet when you ride the bike. And maybe it'll keep you from getting shot in the head, too, but probably not. And to Republicans, uh, these kids that die, in spite of what they say or what, in spite of what Greg Abbott says on that fucking stage, his little dog and pony show, it, 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 it it's, a, it's, it's about, um, the kids really being collateral damage. They don't fucking care. They, they, they don't care as long as they have their second amendment right to do whatever the fuck I want, even though they apparently don't know how to read because the second amendment doesn't say anything like that. But, but you know, the thing about Republicans, it's ironic is Republicans and the Trump fucks. They want to be tough guys. They want to be seen as tough human beings and in charge and patriots and all that kind of stuff. But if you look at everything in their ideology, all based in fear, they're worried about brown, brown people coming across the border. They're worried about not having guns and protecting themselves when the hordes hit their house. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. These, these Republicans are little pussy ass chickens because they're scared of everything. And that's why they overreact in these situations. Exactly. And uh, most of the time, the person most in danger from having a gun in the house is your own family. Right. You know, the toddler's going to find it and shoot mom or you're you're struggling for you hear a sound in the middle of the night. You grab the gun, pop off a few and you just killed your wife who got up to go to the bathroom or your teenage daughter who snuck out and is trying to sneak back in. That's what happens with guns in the home. We know that we know the statistics. And there's no lying about this. The chances of a child being killed by a gun are much greater than even being in an automobile accident. And that's just that boggles my mind and it should boggle everyone else's, too. Yeah, it's it's, it's just just unbelievable. Um, I'm just reading a headline here. Not even sure where this is coming from. Uh, well, <laughs> this may not be a good source. It's the New York Post. But it said, top Texas cop admits cops botched Uvalde school response. Wrong decisions, period. Um, and, and I think that's clear. The police failed on every level with this shooting case. And who knows? They maybe could have saved some of the kids that died. Now, I saw the police out there. Uh, with their press conference saying, well, we did save some children. Well, not enough because 19 fucking died. Exactly. And a lot of kids saved themselves. There was one little girl who had the presence of mind to smear a classmate's blood on herself and lie on top of the body and pretend to be dead. I mean, isn't that the most horrible thing you've ever heard? But yet you have to salute this kid for her intelligence and survival skills. It, it amazes me. And I just, you know, I did, an, I did a show with a listener that probably won't end up until after you hear this show. But that is the thing that I find amazing and appalling 
You've got a 10-year-old child in school. She's got an active shooter. She's not running around like her hair is on fire. She's fucking thinking, thinking at a level that's far beyond a 10-year-old. She knows this shooter might shoot her, and she has enough wherewithal to see her friend who's dying, grab some blood, put it on her, and act like she's dead. That is fucking amazing that the 10-year-old girl had the sense of, the sense to do that, but over and above that, the fact that that little girl had to make that fucking choice is a fucking appalling. I mean, she's going to live with that for the rest of her life. She got lucky. She didn't die, but she still got a lot of shit to fucking deal with over the next 80 years. Uh, Absolutely. And all of these kids and any kid who've ever been in that situation where they survived survivors guilt is a tremendous tremendous problem it's a great trauma and it takes years and years of therapy to overcome if you ever do and uh that um you see like after the uh uh the january 6th attack on the government and on the police that a number of the police committed suicide afterward and it was partially because of survivor's guilt or not are feeling inadequate to have been able to uh, to deal with that. You know, there's a lot of things that go into these kind of conflicts, and um, we just don't know unless we've been in them. We could try to to uh, um, have some sort of empathy, but we can't really do it unless you've been there. Maybe soldiers who've been in combat, but they don't like to talk about it. My father and my uncles went through World War II, heavy combat. All were wounded. You ask them about it, they wouldn't talk about it. They, I, We all did. Me and my cousins, we asked all of our uncles, what was it like? Well, I hope you never have to find out. Well, what did you do in the war? Were you, did you shoot anybody? Everybody was shooting. Those were a couple of the things that I remember. They didn't want to talk about it because the trauma was too real. They'd seen their friends blown up, gutted, killed. They didn't want to remember that. And even talking about it was too much for them. These kids are exactly like that. Exactly. You know, I had a grandfather who fought in World War II, or as he referred to it, the big one. And uh, um, the one thing I've always noted with my grandfather, and, and I love the guy. He was like my best buddy. Um, every time I saw him, some reference to World War II was made by him. It obviously had a huge impact on him. But the funny thing about my grandfather, he was kind of a roguish guy when he was young, and he was kind of, you know, he's kind of fun-loving, had a good sense of humor. (laughs) He talked about the war every time I talked to him, but they were never blood and guts or gory or anything like that. They're always kind of funny. One story he told me, he and his he and his group were going to Anzio in Italy. And as he said, the old man said, when you go to Anzio, don't drink the alcohol. There's something wrong with the alcohol. <laughs> and I said, so what happened? He said, well, me and my buddy Whitey went there and got hammered. I go, well, did you get in trouble? He says, no, we didn't get in trouble, but I woke up in in a hospital bed uh, a day later, totally blind. Well, now he got his sight back, (laughs) but those were the stories he told me. He told me these funny stories, but I know he saw some horrific things. I mean, 
I think he even walked in to liberate a uh, uh, concentration camp. That's the only time he's ever said anything that was serious about it to me. He told me about going into this camp, and he was kind of serious, but it was really out of character for him to talk about that. And I'm a kid about 15, 16 years old, and I said, Grandpa, tell me, there, there is uh, uh, a lot of people out there that say the Holocaust did not occur. You said you walked into a tra- concentration camp. Did it really occur? And he just looked at me really sad, and he says, it fucking occurred. And that's all I want to say about it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the trauma that we're putting on these kids. Now, this is just something that just came out. And this is interesting. The, they're saying the commanders, the commanding people in this shooting fucked up. Now they're even starting to admit it. Colonel Stephen McCraw said 19 officers waited outside a classroom door and did not go in because a commander, commanding officer believed uh, there was a barricaded subject in that room and the kids were not at risk. He felt like they had them isolated in this room, but somehow they never considered the fact that there might be fucking kids in a schoolroom. They thought all the kids were safe, and that's why they didn't rush in to get them, and that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I, don't these rooms have windows? I don't know. Yeah, Maybe they, they do. don't. They, okay. I'm sure they do. Yeah. They almost have to. But now the excuses start. Well, yeah, we fucked up because they can't deny they fucked up because it's so apparent. But yeah, we fucked up. But here's why we fucked up. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it, you know, that's the one well, thing that- about this country. No one's accountable for anything. No one's at fault for anything. It's always somebody else's fault or circumstances fault. Well, and the other thing is they can't have be held liable because there's already been a case. I believe it was called Heller versus somebody where they tried to make a, a, a school, uh, the police liable for, uh, you know, not stopping the, uh, the shooter and, and it was thrown out. So no, they're not, they're, they're not even liable and this will, be uh but that, this is part of the problem let's segue into something else here because i got another bee in my bonnet that i just, just occurred to me that i want to get out law yeah. enforcement's part of the problem half of these guys are in the nra half of these guys are white supremacists half of these guys hate everybody who doesn't look like them and this is this is absolutely true and I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in every place I've lived, whether it was Boston or Minneapolis and St. Paul or, or Monterey, California or, or Texas. And, and I've lived a lot of places in Iowa. It's always the same. The cops are on the side of the white guys and they're not going to go out of their way to help a minority. I don't care. Now, this is not every cop, but it's a lot of cops. It's enough and- cops to taint a department. Right. And, and they're also tied in very much the, the whole of law enforcement. Now, I mentioned this earlier, uh, you know, several podcasts ago, but I want to revisit it. The, near me, there's, uh, uh, they were having a, a homeless problem in some of the, the cities and so forth, right? Well, um, 
most of them and and anywhere near a city uh, now you have some sort of homeless population well the state of tennessee just made it a felony to camp on public land a a park as it were it was already of course uh, illegal on uh, private land and in uh, state facilities so any park now uh, essentially the homeless have no place to be uh, the law allows their uh, possessions to be uh, confiscated and disposed of. And, uh, of course, if you're arrested on a felony, you go to jail, right? And uh, you could pay a fine or you got to do jail time. Okay? But that's what happens, right? So we know this is going to happen. Uh, just yesterday, I was watching a local newscast, and they were asking, uh, well, um, isn't this going to overcrowd prisons and so forth? And uh, the guy they were talking to was, was saying, well, uh, we already know all of our surrounding communities already farm these guys out to local industry. And uh, they, they, they make a pretty good wage and that comes back to us. So, uh, so uh, you know, it'll pay for itself. <laughs> well, here's the deal. Here's the ironic thing about these, these, these conservative folks, making that kind of law you've got somebody who's homeless and they're camping out because they have no place to go so you make it a felony you put them in jail you put these people in jail you give them three hots and a cot and a fucking job and now the government is paying for these people because you wanted to be a tough guy the exact opposite of what these fucks want to do they are they're stepping on their own dick in this situation not to suggest not to suggest that these people going to prison is a better alternative, but how are they winning in this situation? Well, there's a couple of ways. You go back to, uh, I guess it's 14th Amendment. It's one of the, those right after the Civil War where they outlawed involuntary servitude, right? Right. Except as punishment for a crime. Okay. Now, the South used this against black people for years. I mean, they would charge them. They they wouldn't let them have a job, and then they charge them with vagrancy, throw them in jail, and uh, they would use, hire them out as slave labor, doing exactly what they were doing before the war. Right. Uh, this was this was especially throughout the Deep South. This just happened everywhere. Uh, not so much in Tennessee, probably down by Memphis and so forth. But um, uh, there's even a movie ba- about it with uh, Eddie Murphy and uh, uh, one of the one of the other black comedians. I forget right at this moment, but uh, and I can't tell you the name of it. But if you you Google it, Eddie Murray, Eddie Murphy in prison movie, you'll find it. And, that, and that's what it's about: guys who spent their life in prison uh, simply because for being black. You know, and uh, and trumped up charges and so forth. Well, they essentially are doing the same thing. Tennessee, like a lot of places, have private prisons. They have prisons that are run by corporations. And when the corporation probably hedge funds and when they when they they buy a prison or build a prison, they sign a contract with the state and the state agrees that if the prison population drops below a certain level, they have to pay them for empty cells. Right. So it is in the state's interest to fill up those empty cells so that they don't have to pay for empty cells. At the same time, those prisoners can be farmed out to industry or in some cases it's done right there in the prison. When you get a telemarketing call, there's a pretty good chance there's a prisoner on the other end. 
So yeah. watch when you give people your credit card, because you don't know, they may be writing those down and handing them off to a friend of theirs outside the prison. It could happen. It does happen. Yeah. This yeah. happens all the time. They're doing telemarketing. They're working in light industry. They're doing all of this sort of thing. And it's, it's nothing but slave labor, but it's legal because it's as punishment for a crime. Well, let me ask you something with, with, it seems strange that all the things that are happening in this country are kind of culminating all at one time. We have these mass shootings and gun control. We have the overturning of Roe v. Wade. We have these television uh, hearings coming up. It seems <laughs> to me, and I'm hoping on this, it seems to like to be this big pimple on society that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And at some point, it will explode that all this shit, all this uh, uh, gaslighting and all this shit will ultimately be uh, exposed. And then maybe we come out the other side uh, headed down a better path. You know, it's like what I said when we were off the air was that it all is almost like the Republicans and everything that's going on in society. We're ready to jump the shark. And for the younger people that don't know what that means, that was something they used in the 90s. It was like the ultimate end to something. And it goes back to a Happy Days uh, uh, episode. Happy Days was hugely popular, but like everything, it comes to an end. And they were grasping at straws to try to keep it alive. And in that program, which ultimately ended Happy days for all intents and purposes. They had Fonzie jumping over a tank with his motorcycle where there was a shark in the tank. And it was so ridiculous that people called everything that was coming to an end jumping the shark. And it almost seems like that's where we're at with the Republicans and all this ideology going on in this country. It's got to fucking implode or explode and be done with because all of exposed. Hope. Yeah. You would hope, but you have to realize that this is a worldwide phenomenon. It's been going on for a long time. Remember, Khrushchev said, uh, you know, we don't have to blow you up. We'll get you from inside. You right. know, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. We will destroy you from within. And that, that's been pretty much the Russian proposition ever since. There was a brief, brief, brief period uh, when uh, Gorbachev had glasnost and, and approached the West and wanted to kind of work things out. Of course, he was rebuffed by Reagan. If uh, that was one of the biggest regrets of my life is that Jimmy Carter didn't get a second term because I think he he and Gorbachev together would have been able to forge something much better than than the uh, Reagan immediately came in and did his old evil empire thing because you always got to have an enemy, right? Right. And uh, and then uh, Gorbachev was gone, and then you had uh, you know the breakup of the Soviet Union. You had Yeltsin, and then you had Putin coming in, and uh, you know the uh, evil minister, the worm tongue, if you will, who uh, you know took it to a whole new level. I mean, he was KGB. He knew how to get at the West, and that was to let them destroy themselves and to uh, uh, basically encourage the wrong elements. And and he didn't just do it in America. He did it in every country. And that's why you see people like Erdogan in Turkey and other right-wing figures in France, in Britain, other places. The, the Russians are enabling all of this with their oligarch money that they're stealing from their own people. But they can forward, they can uh, then concentrate it, pay off, buy the right position, create a Trump. 
that sort of thing. That's what they're doing. And if, if they just, uh, the CPAC just went to Turkey, the, the, the biggest conservative uh, organization, uh, political action committee, the conservative political action committee had their meeting in Turkey. And uh, what does uh, Ortegon do right at the beginning? We have got to work together. We have to marshal our forces. So uh, it's a very concentrated and a very, very uh, organized thing that's going on. It's worldwide. It's uh, the oligarchs trying to take over and turn the clock back when a very few, a small cadre of white men ran everything. And uh, that, that, that included America in the beginning. Yeah, and uh, and it was only really um, after uh, World War One in the Great Depression when things got so bad that Franklin Roosevelt was able to and his uh, his party were able to put in the reforms that uh, made our lives possible, that made the middle class possible. Nobody lived like we did in the fifties and sixties and seventies before that. There was never widespread prosperity like that before. Everybody was on the edge all the time. And you could be in poverty before you knew it and lose everything. People don't realize that. It's not never been. uh, It was not all flowers and music and candy uh, before uh, the 1950s. Oh, we fought no. a huge war. We came out of it. And we, we put all kinds of money, the GI Bill. And, 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 and created this whole new culture. And then we let it fade because we couldn't maintain our concentration and people didn't really realize how it happened. They were great that they could, uh, the, the wife could stay home or one parent could stay home. The other could have a job outside the home and, and they could have a good life. And they, they got used to that. But you can't have that now unless you are one of the really fortunate people. Most places and, and, you know, in your life, in my life, you had needed two people to make a good income if you wanted kids at all. Yeah. And, um, and now even two people can't manage it because, uh, the salaries haven't kept up and you don't work, uh, you know, my in 40 hour week, remember that mythology? Well, it actually happened there for a while. And and the people had weekends off and they worked five day weeks of eight hour days. You don't see that much anymore. And well, the reason why is greed on the from the corporations and oligarchs. My uh my wife came to a realization. She taught for thirty years and uh we remembered a time when she got her job and I was doing my job and we were doing really well and, and, and going on trips and doing all these things. But as time went on you know, it got tougher. It got a lot tougher. And when she looked back at her history of what she was paid each year, it maybe went up one or 2%. And by the time she got 20 years, 25 years into it, things got hard. It wasn't as easily affordable anymore. And that's largely due to the fact that my wife is a teacher in a public schools, essentially never got any kind of raise in 19 years, maybe 2% here, 1% there, a half a percent there, but it didn't keep up with the, the inflation or the cost of, of goods. So while she was doing well, when she first started toward the end, 
everything seemed unaffordable and nobody could understand why. Well, it's because they didn't pay the teachers properly. They only gave them enough to think, well, maybe next time it'll get better, but it never got better. And of course, my wife is just a microcosm of everybody in this fucking country. They're all suffering through the same thing. Give you less money, but raise the prices on everything. And it's a matter of draining people of their fucking funds and making them slaves to credit or whatever the fuck they have to do or do without. And I, I would bet that when Cindy first started that uh, the, the district picked up the health care. Mm-hmm. And then, the, oh, well, we're going to ask you to pay a little bit now and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And uh, before you're done, you're paying a tremendous amount of money to cover your family just for insurance. Well, that was uh, that was the weird thing, because we both worked for the same school district. Right. And she could get health insurance for the family or I could get health insurance for the family. And uh, you're right. Initially, health insurance didn't cost us anything. But for whatever reason, my insurance, even though it was the same school district in the same sense, it was quite a bit cheaper for me to get it. And it was it wasn't a big deal. It was like 20 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever. But by the by the end of it, by the end of it, we're paying like 250 bucks every two weeks for healthcare that we were getting essentially free uh, way back. So if you're not giving people raises and you're, you're also upping their, their, their cost of healthcare by 500 a month, it's not surprising that people are going to struggle. Exactly. And, and things like uh, you go in for your car license and, and, and renew your license and to get new tags for your car and so forth. When, when I was first driving, uh, we're talking 25 bucks tops for both. Right. Uh, now, by the time I was, uh, uh, I think the last time I did it, it was, you know, it was inching up there, depending on the age of your car and size and so forth. You get close to 200 bucks, probably. Oh, yeah. My wife and um, I have the same car. We bought the same kind of car at the same time, and it's like a 2018. So it's four years old. To buy tags for that car is at least 200, maybe 225 a piece. So every year we pay 450 for the tags on our cars. But these aren't new cars. These aren't highly expensive cars. They're pretty basic, normal cars. And and like you say, there was a time when you'd pay 25 dollars to uh to register your car and get the tabs i have to fucking go out and get tabs right now for another older car we have that my son drives and i know it's going to be and, it, and it's a 2011 and i know it's going to cost me 60 bucks minimum to fucking do that yeah and the, 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 this is you know that maybe that's natural and so forth what is it natural though is that uh, wages since the 70s have been kept artificially low. We have a minimum wage of most places of about $7.25, okay, which is ridiculous. And and now we have people wringing their hands. Well, okay, we'll, you know, these are the liberals saying, "Let's, let's make it $15 an hour. Kiss my ass. It needs to be $25 an hour. Then well, we're talking. If, you, if you're paying people minimum $25 per hour, then, uh, 
then they can make it. That's a living wage. Well, well, there's small businesses can't afford that. Then let them go out of business. I'm sorry. You know, uh, I'm not in, I'm not here to subsidize a restaurant that wants to pay people $3 and then me give them tips. No, uh, uh-uh. that's one, not what I'm here for. Well, you okay? know, I saw something on a tab I paid recently for a restaurant and it was the cost of the dinner, which was fine. My wife and I always tip pretty well because we go to a lot of the same restaurants. And when we go there, we get treated dramatically different and we're happy to pay the extra money for the tips. I have no problem with that at all. But now you look at some of the bills and you'll have the cost of the dinner. You'll have the tax. And then I've been to some places where they'll say a wellness fee for their for their employees, and it'll be like 3% or something like that. So what you're telling me is you run a fucking business, and in order to take care of your your um, employees, now I got to pay 2 or 3% extra over and above, and I had no idea I was going to pay it. I've owned businesses before, and your business is your responsibility. If you really need to do that, raise the price of your fucking goods, and then let people make the choice whether or not they want to fucking pay it. That's it. I mean, we're not here to subsidize restaurants or any other business for that matter that, that cannot viably exist without yeah. us subsidizing them. If you cannot make a go of it by uh, creating a demand and filling that demand at a reasonable price, and paying the employees that, that you need to help you do that, you don't have a business. You're exploiting people. That's all it is. It's just a matter of exploitation, no different than uh, cheating somebody at cards. It's the same kind of thing. And, and, and yet, you know, the business owners are always decrying this. They're all, oh, we, we can't pay that and, and make a living. We'll find another way to make a living because you're not making a living. You're taking somebody else's living. You're, you're exploiting them. And then, then people say, well, people don't want to work. Well, we just talked about, uh, what do you need to work? You need clothes. You need, uh, uh, transportation. And in, in, especially in areas like where I am, there's no public transportation. There are no buses, no subways, nothing like that. You need a car. And most of the jobs, unless, you know, you want to work a minimum wage job, they're out of town. They're in, in the nearby cities, in, in light industry and that sort of thing. You need a car to get there. Okay. You need a car. You got to pay for those licenses. You got to pay for insurance and the car itself. And right now, gas is a problem, of course. Okay. So even if you've got all of that, then, uh, oh, you got a couple of kids. Well, you can't take them with you to work. Uh, so either the wife or the husband has to stay home or maybe you work different shifts so you can uh, manage the kids. That's if you can both get a job. Uh, there are so many things that just really add up to nobody being able to make a living unless we say this is the minimum you can pay somebody. And if the business goes away, well, that's tough. But that's the way that. That's uh, that's business, as they say, right? It is. And, you know, it always amazed me when they would decry this whole thing about we can't pay $15 an hour. We'd go under or everything would be more expensive. That's not possible. What we need to do is let the market 
decide. Mm -hmm. Well, we now have the great resignation. We had uh, COVID and the pandemic, and now the free market is deciding. And guess what? These same fucks that said they can't do it now are forced to do it by way of the market. And guess what? They're doing just fine. I always... I always had problems with, we can't afford to pay people $15 an hour. That will break us. Think about what you're saying. If you pay more people, people more money, that means they buy more shit, which is the essence of a good economy. They pay more taxes and they buy more shit. How does that not factor into the equation in these fucks heads? Well, this is, this is simple economics and, and it goes back. Well, let's go back to Henry Ford, for example, who was certainly not one of my favorite people, but the guy knew that where his market was going to be. He had to be able to produce a vehicle that his employees could buy, and he had to pay them enough to do it. And when he did that, he automatically had uh, the people that he knew were going to buy his product because they were making them. Plus, they they made them as best they could because they were the customer. Right. It only makes sense. And as far as I know, it turned out pretty well for Ford. They did all yeah, that. Yeah, he, he made a couple bucks. He made yeah, a couple bucks. Everybody emulated him. All the other auto dealers, they saw how it was done. And not just in not just in automobiles, but refrigerators, uh, whatever else that manufactured goods. Um, they had assembly lines that, that he pioneered, he and others. And uh, they created uh, this great American engine of, 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 uh, of commerce that was the envy of the world. And part of it was that they paid people so they could buy the product. Exactly. Well, we're running out of time here, Ed, as we always do. I want to thank you for stopping by again and uh, making my job a little easier. It's always better when I have somebody to talk to. And it makes it, makes it even easier if I have somebody that has a, has a, a bent toward common sense and logic. They're that's a rare commodity these days. So I feel fortunate that uh, you and I are able to get together on the program. Well, thanks for the kind words. I feel the same way, Mike. All right. We're going to wrap it up for the rational boomer podcast. I hope you have a great day. We will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the rational boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. So you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.